From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Daniel Sellerson. D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra. Yeah. And the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Daniel Salerson. How goes it? Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. Alongside me, NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer John DeShazer. John, happy Friday to you. Always a good Friday. Any day, well, every day is a good day, you know, just to be able to get up and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, but I love Friday, so don't get me wrong. Yeah, big weekend this weekend for not only the Saints, but the Pelicans. Pelicans take on the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday night. And then the, the big game on Sunday, Saints and Panthers. John, should be a doozy. Yeah, that's uh, it. It has all the ramifications and the looks of a game of the week. Uh, two ten and four teams. One team has the opportunity. The Saints has the opportunity to win the game, win a division, win a number two seed in the NFC. The other team, Carolina, has a chance to win the game and you know pretty much wrap up the the, the division. They'd have to win the season finale in Atlanta, but they'd have certainly the inside track on it. So probably the biggest game on the schedule this week. Absolutely. Now, John, you've been around the team all week. What is the mood in the Saints locker room heading into this big game? Well, you know, I, th- I think they've, they've kind of segued into a more business-like uh, look right now. Now, after the game, they were they were pretty ticked. I mean, they were furious that, you know, the way they played and, and to not win when they had a chance to win, a, you know, to sew up a playoff spot. So, you know, they were pretty ticked, you know, Monday and Sunday. And I think now it's – you know, they've gotten to to a point where it's probably, you know, they, they've calmed down. They've gotten their confidence back. They've kind of regathered their bearings. And and certainly they expect to, to not play the way they played in St. Louis or in Seattle. You know, two games where they were out of it early. And, and that's not what this team has been about this season. So they don't expect to play that way. And, and like I said, you know, they were they were really angry after the St. Louis game. And, and you could tell in the locker room, you know, immediately after game and, and when you got back to, to Saints drive, but uh, to airline drive. But, but uh, you know, I think they've calmed down. They kind of realized, you know, okay, we've got a, we've got some work ahead of us. We've got a business trip to make, and, and they've kind of gotten into the business mode. Now, the, the Saints started off well on the road earlier in their season, defeating Tampa Bay, Atlanta, a uh, big game in Chicago early on. But later on, they've struggled a little bit on the road with losses to the Jets, Patriots, and then the Rams. What, how have they handled this can't-win-on-the-road talk? Well, again, it's one of those things where, you know, at first it, it kind of rankled them a little bit. You know, they were kind of <laughs> kind of peeved about it. But, I mean, you know, as you continue to not have success on the road, now all of a sudden, you know, it it manifests and you got to say, you know, okay, there's got to be – some legitimacy to it. You might not like the question, but, you know, the numbers are what they are, and that's what Coach Sean Payton pretty much said yesterday. Look, you know, we, we think we have a good road team, but, you know, the numbers this year say this isn't a good road team. So you can't reflect on 2009 and 2011 and those seasons where, you know, you won 13 games and those kinds of things. You know, the only thing anybody understands is the here and now, and they're tired of hearing it, but the the numbers are what they are, and right now there are three and four teams on the road. What are the biggest issues with their road losses? What is going on on the road that's causing them to lose these games? Is it 
just a lot of turnovers, lack of execution on offense or in defense, or what, what's going on with them on the road right now? Well, I mean, they're saying lack of execution, but that, it boils down to one thing. You, you turn the ball over, you're going you're gonna to diminish your chances of, of, of winning, and, and that happens because, you know, you turn it over, you give the opposition an extra possession or two, the opportunities to score and get ahead of you, and now all of a sudden you're playing catch-up, and the Saints have gotten really, really imbalanced on the road. I mean, in road games, in the road losses – Drew Brees is averaging 45 pass attempts per game. In the road wins, he's out, He's at 38. Um, the Saints don't run the ball as often because they don't have possession of it as often. Drew Brees, in the road losses, has six touchdowns and five interceptions. In the road wins, five touchdowns and two interceptions. So the ratio is skewed when, they, when they've lost the game, but it's skewed because they've gotten behind. You know, you press a little bit and you get behind because they've, you know, committed turnovers and, once you get yourself in that hole, now you're playing catch up, and again you get imbalanced. You can't have any 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 kind of surprises on offense because they know you're going to throw the ball. If you're down 17 to three, you're going to be throwing it around. So that that's been a big problem. And defensively, they haven't been able to get off the field. They've you know defensively in the last two road losses, uh, Atlanta, excuse me, Seattle and St. Louis both have converted. Each team has converted half their third down attempts. Well, if you can't get off the field defensively, you're going to be on a lot of plays. You're going to get tired, and the offense is going to the opposing offense is going to gain momentum, and they're going to score. And that's what happened with St. Louis and Seattle. They just hadn't been able to get off the field. If you can't get off the field, you can't get the ball back to your offense. You don't give them an opportunity to get into a rhythm. You know, everything just kind of you know chain reactions together. We're talking with John DeShazer, NF, uh, New Orleans Saints.com, NF, a senior writer. Uh, John, now we focus on the Panthers. Now who have won nine of the last ten games. Their only loss is against the Panther uh, against the Saints um, two weeks ago. What what's gone right for the Panthers since their one and three start? Well, their biggest thing is they they don't turn it over anymore. Um, Cam Newton, you know, I, I wouldn't say they've gone completely conservative with him, but you know they've certainly dialed back on what they've asked him to do. He runs a little bit more. He he doesn't you know go for broke on the passes. And that has enhanced their offense. You know, they've been efficient because they've got a, you know, they've got the number two scoring defense in the league. I think they allow about 14.2 points a game. And so if you've got that kind of defense, offensively, you just don't want to lose it. And that's what they've they've asked their offense to do. Just don't lose it. You know, Cam, you know, we're not going to frisbee it around for, you know, 40 times a game. They might, you know, Carolina might throw it 25 times. They might throw it 18 times. They're content to do that. And let Cam Newton have a couple of runs, and let you know Jonathan Stewart, if he's healthy, have a couple of runs, and D'Angelo Williams have a couple of runs. Spread the wealth around, and just say, okay, we'll hold out, we'll punt from time to time, and we'll wait for our defense to kind of you know make its imprint on this game. So that's what they've done, and that's exactly some of the things the Saints were doing early when they won on the road. You know, they were conservative fairly, I would say, in the win in Chicago and in the win at Tampa Bay. And what they did was rely on the defense to kind of seize the day for them. That's what Carolina's done, and they've done it, you know, to the tune of nine wins in ten games. I mean, they've really come on like gangbusters and have a lot of momentum. Before I get to the keys of the game, uh, you talked to Teron Armstead this week. He is now the starting left tackle, replacing Charles Brown. As a rookie, what's his mindset going into this game? Is he more, I'm ready to do this, or is it, you know, a little hesitant, or what's his mindset going? Well, you know, for a guy who hadn't played a single offensive snap, he's he seemed pretty confident. I, I you know, may, I don't think it was false bravado either. You know, he's, I'm sure, at some points during the season at scout team, he's worked against, you know, Cam Jordan and Junior Gallet as, as speed rushes for the Saints, and 
you know, he's worked with the number two unit. So he know, he should he knows the he knows the system. He's been around for nine months. He's worked against some good pass rushes when he's played scout team. So he feels pretty confident. And I'm certain, you know, Coach Sean Payton and, and the Saints aren't going to stick him out on an island and say, okay, block Greg Hardy or block Charles Johnson. Those guys have combined for 17 sacks, the defensive ends for Carolina. They're not going to stick him out there on an island and say, okay, do this all on your own. But he's he's athletic. You know, he, he's got long arms, and they feel like he'll he'll be able to hold his own. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put him out there. Now, they expect there to be some growing pains with him. They said as much during the season. You know, it's not going to be a smooth ride, but they expect him to hopefully smooth it out by the by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. Put the analyst hat on for the second, um, for a second. What are the biggest keys for the Saints this Sunday against uh, against Carolina? Well, I mean, I think they've got, they've got to have offensive balance. They can't be, you know, where, you know, I think against the Jets – and also uh, against St. Louis, they threw the ball like 50-plus times and ran it less than 20. That's that's not a recipe that's going to work. The, they can't be that imbalanced. And what that signifies is they're behind and they're playing catch-up. So they've got to be balanced offensively. they got to run the football. And what that means is they got to get off to a quick start. That's what's happened to them on the road. They're 1-4 on the road in games where the opponents have scored first. It's been a tough road to hoe when they allow the opponent to get out to that lead. So – First thing they got to do is start fast. I mean, they got to get out of the blocks. I think uh, defensively, it was certainly help if they create a turnover. They hadn't created one in, I think, the last three games. Now the Saints' turnover ratio for the season is at even. And at one point, they were plus eight. Now they've committed 17 turnovers. They forced 17 turnovers. This defense has to be able to get get the ball out and hopefully pounce over, pounce on it, give the offense another an extra possession those are two things they really need to do, and they got to run the football. I mean, you know, running it 13 times or 18 times, and you know, you can't get into a rhythm offensively that way. You can't establish any dominance against the defense that way. So, you know, those are some things I, I expect to see out of them. And, and certainly, you know, Drew Brees has got to protect the, the Drew Brees and the offense. Excuse me, have to protect the football. You know, again, five of his interceptions have come in the losses on the road. And he's a much more efficient quarterback than that. You know, in those four games, he's got five picks. He's much more efficient than that. He's got to protect the football along with this offense. That's John DeShazer, senior writer for NFL. I always want to say NFL. I'll take that. (laughs) If a raise comes with it, I'll take that. NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer. Um, He'll be at the game, obviously, on Sunday. You can catch his uh, pregame interview with Sean Payne. You can also follow him on on Twitter, at John DeShazer, during the game. He'll have postgame reaction. And he'll also be on Monday's Black and Blue Report to discuss, hopefully, a win over the Carolina Panthers. We have a great show for you today. Um, On the show is NBA TV host Matt Weiner. He will be uh, in studio during the game on Monday when the Pelicans take on the Kings, USA Today's NFL writer Jim Corbett, and we have UNO's basketball coach Mark Schlesinger. Uh, the Privateers are coming off a huge win over UTEP at UTEP on Monday night, and they also have the t- tough task of Michigan State next. We'll talk to him about their big win and plenty more. But coming up next, it is Matt Weiner from NBA TV. More Black and Blue Report continues in one minute. Make the holiday season extra special for your favorite sports fan by giving the gift of Pelicans basketball. The Pelicans holiday plan presented by Austin Steakhouse is the perfect stocking stuffer. With packages starting as low as $45, you can choose any five games, including the Heat, Thunder, and Clippers. Plus, with every holiday plan purchase, you'll receive a free $25 Austin Steakhouse gift card. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your holiday plan today. 
Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Our next guest is NBA TV host Matt Weiner. Matt Weiner will host NBA Game Time on Monday night when the Pelicans travel to Sacramento to take on the Kings. Matt, good morning, and thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Happy holidays. Thank you. Same to you. Let's start off with the big news yesterday. Kobe Bryant, who will miss six more weeks with a fracture of the lateral tibial plateau in his left knee. Matt, do you think Kobe came back too soon from his Achilles injury, or does this injury have uh, nothing to do with his uh, other one? Well, you know, I, I don't think most of us are really qualified to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't know. It's suspicious because it's the same leg. Right. Um, I, I'm a runner. I know over the years that if, if something goes wrong on one side, you tend to compensate. It leads to something else if you come back too soon. I don't know if that's what happened in this case. The fact that it's the same side, uh, you know, again, leads me to believe maybe they're connected. I think the bigger factor for for Kobe and for any athlete 35 years of age is is time and the the mileage on those legs. Um, You know, this might have happened this season regardless of the Achilles injury, but after all that time away and the rehab that went into it, you know, who knows what set it off. But uh, it stinks for the Lakers, and it stinks for the NBA at large that uh, it's going to be another six weeks. And coupled with the Steve Nash news, he's now another month away. And the Lakers are, uh, you know, in, in a tough spot. And they seem older and older and older. And in the meantime, um, on the floor, younger and faster and uh, more gunners than, than ever. I don't know if that makes them any better, but it'll make for a completely different kind of team. That brings me to my next question. With Steve Nash out, does this team have any shot at the playoffs now with a stacked Western Conference? And do you see them maybe going after anyone um, in the, before the trade deadline? You know, it's a fascinating question about the trade deadline. I, I don't know what they're going to do. You don't think of a Laker, uh, Lakers as an organization as a team that's going to be sellers at the deadline. Um and it's certainly possible. I, I can't imagine Kobe Bryant would put up with that, not that he's running the team, but um, you know, conceding to the rest of the conference and, and giving up assets rather than going after them. I think ultimately they're probably going to be a team that is preparing more for the summer of free agency and beyond, and will try to get there with, with what they've got. If Kobe comes back when he's supposed to, and remember, the Lakers were uh, above 500 without him. Right. Uh, they were 10 and nine before he came back. So if the Lakers can hang around in that in that area while he's gone and come back, then they still have a shot at making the postseason. Maybe not making any real noise in the postseason, but they have a shot at making it for sure. Talking about this trade deadline too, the Rockets announced yesterday that right now they're going to keep Omer Ashik uh, for the time being. Do you see him being moved before the deadline? You know, it's a great, uh, an interesting scenario. It. It seems as though the Rockets are now swallowing their own poison pill. Um, they, they changed the structure of both he and Jeremy Lin's contracts when they signed them to keep their previous teams from being able to match. Um, and so they backloaded all that money 
uh, the third year of those deals, and that makes them really unpalatable to anybody else who wants to trade for them right now. And I think that's what the Rockets are experiencing. Um, I, I suspect that they'll probably end up keeping him, if I had to guess, and trying to make it work with Oshik. And, look, he's an asset. He's an elite defensive center. The problem is that with Dwight Howard on the team, he's essentially redundant. Um, starting them together doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, there are there are points in games at which they can play the two of them together, but not a lot, I don't think. So they're going to have to figure out a way to make that work, and uh, and likely into next season as well, because I just don't see many teams who are going to want to take on Ashik. Not so much just at the number where he is next year, but for only one year, not without any guarantee that they'll have him beyond that. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, scenario there in Houston. We're talking with NBA TV host Matt Weiner, and Matt, the Rockets are one of uh, the top five teams in the standings in the Western Conference, along with OKC, Portland, San Antonio, and the Clippers. Out of those five teams, which one has impressed you the most so far this season? Well, Portland, clearly. I mean, going from a non-qualifying team into uh, second in the West right now and one of the three or four best records in in the NBA, I guess one of the three, I'm I'm just peeking at the standings right now, Um, Amazing. I mean, I, you know, you knew they were going to be better because they had gotten deeper. They had the worst bench in the league last year. Um, but to make the leap from where they were to, to where they are now, uh, you know, just rolling through stretches of the schedule without losses, doing so dramatically in some ways. I think uh, there's still some concern about the starters piling up a little bit, but they're a much, much deeper, more complete team than they were last year. And now the question is, what can they be in the playoffs? Very seldom does a team go from a non-playoff team to a, a team that, that wins more than a series the next year. So it, it, I don't have the answer for that, but it'll be fun to watch. Portland will host the Pelicans on Saturday night. Um, the Pelicans are 11-13 and a uh, quarter way through the season. What are your thoughts on the Pelicans so far? Uh, deeper, I, I, like, I like the talent level um, after the, the moves of last summer. A little inconsistent. And they, they're not quite there in terms of being able to compete with the better teams in the NBA. I don't know what their record is against the, the, the top teams in the league, but I don't recall any signature wins at this point. Um, and they've got to get better and more consistent on the defensive end. If they can make stops, get defensive rebounds, get blocks from Anthony Davis, and get out and run, they're a pretty potent team. Um, but they've got to tighten up on that end of the floor. Um, with if they stay healthy, you know Tyreek Evans and Anthony Davis have been injured. They both are returned Wednesday against the Clippers. Can they at least make a little run at competing for a playoff spot? I know the West is so tough, but with the yeah. depth that you said, can can they at least have a shot at contending for like maybe an eighth spot there at the end? Yeah, they can make a run. I mean, they're they're only three games out. Um, they can certainly make a run if if they can keep everybody on the floor. Because uh, you've got to remember, this is a, a relatively new team in terms of. of folks playing together because of the moves they've made over the last couple of years, even including Eric Gordon because of all the injuries he's had the last couple of seasons. But Anthony Davis missing time last year and this year. Tyreek Evans new to that rotation as well. Drew Holiday's new to that rotation. They've got to get to know each other, and everything has to be second nature because in a split second so often in NBA games, um, decisions, right or wrong, uh, can make or break a game. They've got to be able to do that without thinking about it. They've got to know Monty Williams' system without thinking about it as well. 
the, the problem they face, as you mentioned, is all the teams in front of them. I mean, Golden State's not a playoff team right now. Right. I mean, that's uh, sort of mind-boggling. Yes. Uh, and they really only have one signature win on the season so far. They beat Oklahoma City earlier in the year, and since then, really, really nothing that's overly impressive in terms of, of victories against the better teams in the league. Um, Phoenix has been a huge surprise. I've been surprised by by how good Dallas has been this year. Didn't didn't know what the Monte Ellis uh, Jose Calderon backcourt would be able to do there. And all those teams are ahead of them still. And Minnesota's a talented enough team to make a run at the postseason. The Lakers, we assume as we as we said, are going to get a little better uh, if they get healthy down the stretch. It's going to be really tough for the Pelicans. Uh, look at where Memphis is. I mean. They've not been very good, and I don't think they're a playoff team. But going from the Western Conference Finals to where they are now tells you how quickly things can change in either direction. So it's it's not impossible. They've got talent. You've got talent there in New Orleans, um, but it's a tough road to hoe with all that all that uh, that that bunch ahead of you right now. And if you think about it, in the Eastern Conference, the Pelicans would be sitting pretty right now, like at a four or five yeah, seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're, and really, geographically, you're not that far from the East. No. So maybe, you know, maybe they could lobby or something to move somebody over. Absolutely. That would be great. That's Matt Weiner, NBA TV host. He'll be hosting NBA Game Time on Monday when the Pelicans take on the Sacramento Kings on NBA TV. Matt, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to watching you guys on Monday night. Yeah, I do too. I haven't. Uh, we've not had those two teams I think I had the Kings once this season so far, but on uh, on my nights at least, we have not had the Pelicans for a game, so I'm, I'm excited to see them. Absolutely. Matt Weiner again, NBA TV host. Uh, when we come back, Sean checks in with USA Today NFL writer Jim Corbett. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. Sean Kelly has the day off from hosting, but that didn't stop him from making an appearance on today's show. Yesterday, Sean caught up with USA Today NFL writer Jim Corbett to preview this weekend's games. Jim Corbett's been bouncing around the uh, NFL again. He's made multiple stops this week, and it's been a long time since we've had him, but uh, we're pleased to welcome back from the USA Today, Jim Corbett. Happy holidays, Jim, and thanks for joining us this Friday. Hey, Sean, happy holidays to your listeners and you and, and uh, your family, and thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Where have your travels taken you this week, Jim? Yeah, well, uh, just you know, getting back from Charlotte. I uh, was down there for Sunday's game against the Jets and the, the prelude to uh, hung out Monday with Ron Rivera and their coaching staff a little bit, and then uh, was at the Redskins yesterday, and I'm away heading over to the Ravens uh, for their game coming up against New England, uh, which is virtual playoff game for 
Baltimore as they try to cling to that number six AFC spot, uh, you know, virtual and, and virtually in playoff mode now throughout uh, as they try to hold on and uh, coming off that big win against Detroit. Perfect. Your travels match up with exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. Let's start with Carolina and New Orleans this weekend and go back to last weekend. What was your takeaway from the Panthers' win against the New York Jets? Well, it was a sign of a, a, a growing, maturing team because, you know, potentially that was a big trap game for them in between their, you know, bouts with uh, their clashes with the Saints and, you know, obviously embarrassed and humbled by that loss on the road, 31-13, and um, Drew had, you know, diced them up pretty good with the four touchdowns and I think it was 313 yards, and their defense really didn't show up, and Cam was held to 160 yards passing. So I thought they responded well in, in a good way, in a team way. Uh, the Jets hung in there, but, you know, finally in the fourth quarter they broke it open with a blocked punt, and Captain Munderland uh, – took the insult of Santonio Holmes uh, calling them the weakest link, their secondary, and uh, had the 41-yard interception return to the house. So, um, you know, Cam, I thought, responded well, played played well. Greg Olson had a good game. Uh, they had the nice 72-yard big play screen pass to D'Angelo Williams that Cam set up with mis- misdirection. And, uh, you know, I thought their defense played well. Um, you know, they got some blitz uh, pressure. Uh, Munderland had two sacks, and, and uh, Hardy had a good game. So, um, I think we're seeing a stronger Charles Johnson. He had had a sprained knee. I think he's gotten stronger game by game. And, you know, it's just a confident locker room that they really are looking forward to this rematch because they feel, you know, they bounce back well. They feel they're playing at home this time. That wasn't their best effort. And they want to prove that they are the team that has won 9 of 10. I mean, it's hard to believe that after a 1-3 and three start, people calling for Ron Rivera's job. He's pretty much done a coach of the year job uh, with that team. They can still finish one, two, five, six. It's way up in the air, but at the same time, um, I love your thoughts there about their win over the uh, the Jets, Jim. And speaking with Ron Rivera and spending time in their locker room early this week, did you find them to have a little extra bounce after seeing that the Saints had lost to St. Louis over the weekend? Yeah, in fact, uh, Ron had pretty much kind of predicted that. Jordan Gross said that the left tackle. He said, you know, Ron said, hey, I got a feeling that you know they're going to lose and. We're going to, you know, get this win here, and it's going to put us right back there where we want to be. And so this, as he said, is as big as it gets. It's a virtual playoff game. And, uh, you know, I know the Saints can clinch the division and the number two seed, I believe, if they win. Uh, it's a little more complicated for the Panthers if they win. I believe they clinch. Uh, not the division, though. I think they clinch uh, a playoff seed. But the idea, like you said, it's, they still have to take care of business when they travel to Atlanta. I think New Orleans uh, ends up uh, with Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, you, you certainly like the Saints' path uh, in the sense that they get this game, that they get the home uh, deal that they are really needing. And, you know, being a different team on the road, I think that's what the Saints are pointing to. Uh, the, the Panthers are pointing to how different the Saints are outside their building where they're scoring, you know, uh, half the amount of points. And uh, they've just struggled against Seattle. And obviously, um, you know, teams like the Jets where they lost on the road. So uh, I think they've drawn confidence from just knowing that if they play their game and uh, they don't overreach. And, and now you, you know, have a rookie uh, left tackle to go against. So, uh, and a new kicker. So um, I look at Sean, and, and some people are saying, is that panic? I, I say no. I, I think it's similar to what 
John Harbaugh did with the Baltimore Ravens last year. If you remember when he fired his offensive coordinator, Cam Cameron, he just said, hey, I've seen enough. I've got to, I've got to do something. And he did it for the right reasons. And, you know, they went on and didn't win initially but caught fire in the postseason. So uh, Sean's seen enough and, you know, for the right reasons. And uh, you got to trust the guy's instincts. Jim Corbett from USA Today here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Midweek, Jim, you're in Washington, D.C. Right now, are the Redskins a, a dream come true for an NFL writer? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's certainly something every day. I mean, yesterday was uh, a positive in the sense of, you know, London Fletcher, you know, one of the past uh, acts and, you know, certainly a, a great player. It's a debate, you know, borderline whether he is a Hall of Fame guy, but 254 consecutive games played um i think it's 200 he'll make his 214th straight start at that position at linebacker i mean it's pretty remarkable mike shanahan said a couple of weeks ago when uh, it was against san francisco he limped off the field with an ankle he said i i never figured to see him back uh he was back out there the next week and it's a you know with nothing to play for in the sense that their season was way over by then um just a, a leader consummate guy he won a super bowl with st louis went to two super bowls lost the next year to New England, um, you know, was a leader with the Bills and certainly a leader in every sense. And, and they lockered him next to uh, Robert Griffin III for a reason when Griff was uh, drafted and, you know, to you know, have that mentorship, that leadership rub off. She had to be a consummate pro, what it takes to come to work every day. Talked to Robert about that yesterday. Did ask Robert about a report, and you're right, there is drama every day. The report was nonsense out there on Bleacher Report, I believe it was, that uh, Robert Griffin's father had lobbied uh, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, to hire Art Briles, the Baylor coach, Robert's Baylor coach. I mean, come on, <laughs> we're already talking about uh, Mike Shanahan being upset about preferential treatment. Were you to do that, you would have a whole rift in the locker room about the, uh, a guy's college coach coming to coach him. And, you know, and Robert just looked at me and said it's false. And, you know, just kind of sighed and you know, having to address one more thing like that. And it's been like that just once a week or maybe twice a week where something else is coming out. So yeah, it's been a soap opera, and uh, we're going to see how it's going to end. Yesterday, Fletcher um, lobbied for Shanahan to return. I can see his point in the sense that. He feels that given an offseason to spend money, finally, stability is the way to go in the NFL. He pointed to Baltimore, who, you know, got into the playoffs now five straight years, looking to go a sixth straight time, you know, stayed with their coach, you know, certainly Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Um, you know, the, the question is, who will be the coach and who is the guy that can get and command Robert Griffin's attention and, um, you know, get him back to being that guy who he was last year? That's going to be Daniel Snyder's charge. Uh, this offseason, and I do think that it probably will not work with Mike Shanahan again. You think you just answered my next question because I was going to ask you, in your your opinion, did, did Shanahan handle the Griffin situation the right way, and, and does he keep his job at this point? And I think you probably just someone answered that, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really Mike's exit strategy, really, in, in, in a way, a power play to show that, hey, I can maybe win with this guy, Kirk Cousins, and, you know, he said he was set, sitting Robert down for the right reasons. He, he you know, he's brilliant in that he bounced it off Dan Snyder first and said he wants to preserve him for his first off season. All that's well and noble, but, you know, Mike's in the business to show that he can win. And uh, I think he's trying to do that with Kirk. They came pretty close, albeit with seven turnovers against Atlanta. Um, Cousins gave him a spark. He threw for 381 yards, got the ball out quick. Uh, he's a different, you know, quarterback. He's a pocket rhythm timing passer. Robert is more of a, a riff guy, you know, off a of read option. Um, so it, it's an interesting dynamic, but you look at 
just all that's gone down, you know, the, the questions about uh, uh, Mike even addressed it. I should have pulled him in halftime against the Seattle game. There's just been too much damage, too much trust, mistrust down uh, border under the bridge that, that I don't think can be mended. So to me, it's in the best interest of everyone that they go forward with a new head coach. Maybe you get a guy like Darrell Bevel from Seattle who's had great success with a read option quarterback and Russell Wilson. Maybe it's Greg Roman from San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick or Ken Wisenhunt who has some roots as a former Redskin who's done a great job with Ben Roethlisberger when he was a rookie, won a Super Bowl, and then uh, is doing a good job. You know, went, went to another Super Bowl with Kurt Warner in the, back into his career and has done a great job of resurrecting Philip Rivers. Two more quick questions for Jim Corbett here from USA Today. Uh, Jim, the Broncos are openly openly uh, lobbying for Peyton Manning to be named the NFL's MVP when this is all said and done. Uh, is this overstating the obvious, or is there someone else that should be at the top of the MVP conversation in your eyes? Yeah, I think when you look at the other candidates, I mean, everybody else is kind of, well, yeah, you can make a case, but Jamal Charles, okay, he's had a great, you know, month now he's had a great season but you know he's really come on and you know the five touchdowns last week was eye-opening and uh you know i think he scored 18 touchdowns total and you look at it, you say wow except the broncos beat them twice with peyton manning and you know the guys on the cusp of beating brady's record for 50 touchdown passes and you know it's it's just kind of a quiet wow it's almost a fait accompli um i think he's a surety for a five-time mvp he's done it with a different cast he's answered all the questions people had some questions about oh is he going to be able to hold up in cold weather and uh, he played with a chip on his shoulder and he answered that question a couple of weeks ago so um to me uh, it's going to be about how far Peyton can take that team. Can he win it in that cold-weather Super Bowl where, uh, ironically, his brother Eli's backyard at MetLife Stadium. But, um, you know, if he can win that MVP, and more important to him is going to win that second ring, I think he'll have a, you know, a, a great Hall of Fame legacy. But it, it's a no-brainer. You can say uh, Brady's done a great job of holding together a team that's been, you know, uh, you know, rookies and uh, no names and all this, but uh, I just can't think of another guy that you can make a strong argument over Peyton Manning. One more real quick. I know you're about to run in to talk to the Ravens. The uh, Patriots and Ravens would be the other marquee matchup in the NFL this weekend. We talked about Carolina and New Orleans, but here are the Patriots at 10-4 and four and the Ravens at 8-6. and six. Baltimore's at home. Uh, give me your quick take on what this game can be like uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Flacco performs with a mild knee sprain. He's going to have his knee in a brace. You would think you're going to see him more in shotgun. One of the things Joe has been really good at this, you know, down this stretch here where they've won four straight has been being more mobile. He's been getting out and using his legs, and, and so now that's going to be diminished. They're going to have to rely more on their run game. And, you know, Ray, Ray Rice admitted yesterday that, hey, I've been hurt. And uh, after saying that he wasn't uh, about a month ago, uh, it's clear that he's been lacking his burst. So it, they're going to have to generate enough of a run game to make up for what Flacco lacks uh, to keep that play action element going with Bernard Pollard and uh, I'm sorry, Bernard Pierce and uh, Ray Rice against the 31st ranked Patriots run game. You would think that you can crease them between the tackles. That would be my plan, but that's also playing into Belichick, who probably wants to defy. Um, Joe to beat him and, and, and probably wants to make him do it with his legs. So um, there's going to be a cat-mouse game there. I just like the Ravens, how well they play at home. Um, the Patriots have struggled now down in the red zone, and <clears throat> certainly you have to like the guy they're calling the Legatron in Justin Tucker, who's made 33 straight uh, field goals, including the 61-yarder, which was unbelievable. No, it's inside, but to win a game like that was pretty dramatic. So 
guys money, and uh, they're playing well with a lot of confidence right now. Jim, as always, great stuff. You're certainly a valued guest for us here on the Black and Blue Report. I hope you and your family have a blessed Christmas and a happy new year, and I can't wait to talk to you as we get closer to the playoffs over these next two weeks. Same to you and your family and, and your listeners, and, uh, yeah, enjoy that playoff game uh, in, in Charlotte. That's going to be a heck of a game. No doubt. Jim Corbett from USA Today covers the the National Football League beat. And, uh, of course, there are just two weeks left, and that's a good preview right there. That sure is. Thanks, guys. When we come back, I'll sit down with UNO's basketball coach, Mark Schlesinger. Don't go away. More Black and Blue Report coming up in one minute. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Well, as you all know, this podcast primarily focuses on the Saints and the Pelicans, but sometimes we like to talk about the local college teams here, and we've talked about Tulane, LSU, Southeastern, and now it's time to focus on the University of New Orleans Privateers. Joining us now is men's head basketball coach Mark Schlesinger. His team is coming off a massive win at UTEP Monday night, 71-69. to Coach, uh, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on the win Monday. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's uh, been a crazy few days for us here. Uh, following Monday night, but I appreciate you making time for us. First off, let's talk about the win. A uh, win over a Conference USA opponent like Utah. How big of a win is this for your program? It's 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 massive, uh, you know. And then you go, you know, you go into it a little deeper, and you go to the fact that, you know, it was it was at UTEP. It was against you know Coach Tim Floyd, who, you know, is arguably one of the most recognized faces in in UNO uh, privateer basketball history, and and the fact that, that he was uh, gracious enough to have us down to play in, in such a historic venue uh, as the Haskins Center, it was just it was just big, all, all things around. And, and then, you, you know, you add in, you know, where we've been over the last few years and all the, the ups and downs that we've, uh, you know, came back from and, and have uh, persevered through. It was just a great night for, for our, our faculty, staff, students, and, and alumni of the city. Um, you started at UNO in June 2011 talking about this journey. You only had three and a half scholarships to award at the time and a budget that was decimated by Hurricane Katrina. Talk about the journey from 2011 when you started to now coming up with a huge win on Monday night. Well, it's it's really been uh, an incredible odyssey for us, especially when you look at, at at the fact that basically, you know, that we looked at this opportunity uh, here at UNO, my, my, myself and our staff, to to really have a chance to, to build something from scratch, from ground up, and and have an incredible model and incredible history to, to build upon and look back on. Uh, but really, we were building from scratch, and, and you know we've had great student athletes that have come and been a part of it, and we've had some 
some really amazing uh, young men that have that have stayed in our program and 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 persevered and helped us rebuild this and and got their degrees from UNO and it's just a special time to be here. We talk a lot about it being a renaissance of athletics and a renaissance of this university uh, for our city and and uh, we we couldn't be in a in a better situation than we're at right now. Be going into the Southland Conference here in just a few weeks. We open up that first week. Uh, of January with with road games at Nichols and at McNeese, uh, it's a long ways from where we were, you know, three and four years ago. What does a win like this do for recruiting for you guys and continuing to grow your basketball program? I think I think it really validates uh, what we're doing. I think it validates uh, our approach to doing it from from being a blue collar program, a, a program that that sometimes takes a chance on a guy that that may have been a little bit overlooked and. And uh, a guy that, that that we believe in that we can develop and uh, get them to play at a higher level than, than most people think. I think it validates, um, you know, how good a job this can still be. Um, but but more importantly, it, it validates specifically for this team uh, the hard work that they put in thus far uh, this season and and over the summer and help them get ready uh, to play an incredibly tough uh, non-conference schedule. We've been ranked as high as as second in the country in our non-conference schedule this year. Uh, and, you know, with the game at Michigan State still to go. So uh, it's it's um, it's definitely been a challenge, but we're excited, and, and we think that this win will kind of catapult us and, and move us forward even more. That brings me to my next question. You just mentioned you guys play number 5 Michigan State at Michigan State next Saturday, December 18th. Now, coming off this big win, how, how do you prepare your guys for such a such a huge game and a tough challenge facing a top type, top five team like Michigan State? Well, we you know we we've already played you know Boise State who you know who was on the verge of cracking the, the top 25 in LSU and and Minnesota up up at, up in Minneapolis. Uh, so we, you know we've played some tough competition. Obviously, this is the highest ranked team of that group, but but we approach it one possession at a time. And we're gonna not to sound cliche or with Coach Speak, but we're gonna really approach it one at a time and really try to get uh, the most out of the experience we can. This is a it's a rare opportunity for our student athletes to go. Uh, play somebody like that that they'll talk about and have a great story to talk about the rest of their lives. It's a chance for myself and my staff to, to try to match with, uh, with one of the top coaches and top coaching staffs in the country. And, you know, we welcome the challenge and are excited to go up and, and feel blessed to have an opportunity to go up and, and see what we can do. And But more importantly, it, it, it puts our brand and puts uh, UNO back on a national scene from a men's basketball perspective and allows people to see that that we are that we are back and we are playing at the level that we need to play at, and uh, and it gives us a chance to get national visibility on the Big Ten Network uh, as well. We're talking with UNO Privateers men's head basketball coach Mark Schlesinger. Mark, you mentioned uh, the Southland Conference. You guys are joining that conference this season. How important is it for the program also to now land in a conference where you have a shot at the NCAA tournament each year? It's huge, and more importantly, even than that is. It gives us very direct, uh, natural rivalries. You know, when you think about that, we'll play Nickel State twice, who's an hour away. We'll play Southeastern twice, who's an hour away. McNeese twice, and we'll play Northwestern once, along with other easy, drivable games like Lamar and Houston Baptist and Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin. It's huge uh, for us to have uh, regional opponents that we can get to. And, and the Sun Belt was a great home for us for many, many years. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of fans flying in from Denver to watch us play. Uh, them and there weren't a lot of fans coming in from Miami to watch us play uh, FIU. So this is a lot better, uh, a lot better trip for us. I think we'll get 
some more people coming in from Thibodeau and Raceland than we would Miami and Denver. Right, so before I let you go, just for, for people that may not know too much about you and know men's basketball, uh, give some listeners perspective. Why should fans come out? You've had some pretty good crowds at home. Why should fans come out and watch this team play? Obviously a very exciting team and a win over UTEP. Uh, talk about why people should come over and watch you guys play. Well, they're going to enjoy themselves. Our facility is, is I think, again, the crown jewel of the South. And no matter what, it, it still is as good a place to watch a basketball game as there is in the South. Uh, it's just a phenomenal facility. We've we've had a ton of great upgrades with new scoreboards and video boards that go with it. But the basketball play is what they're going to enjoy and what they'll come back for. Our team plays extremely hard. We play an up-tempo brand. Uh, we'll play a lot of people. We've got a good group of, of local guys that people can identify with and, and latch on to and, and cheer on. And it's just a good family fun night for people to come in uh, to, to a great place to watch a game. The Privateers' next home game is on Thursday, January 9th, as they host Abilene Christian, so be sure to check out UNO Basketball as they try to make a run at the Southland Conference title. Coach, again, congrats on the win. Best of luck the rest of the way. And against Michigan State next Saturday, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. That's UNO head basketball coach Mark Schlesinger on the Black and Blue Report. We'll wrap things up. Coming up next on the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans with an exciting lineup. The BBVA Compass Rising Stars challenges your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. On Friday, February 14th, the New Orleans Arena will play host as the rookies and sophomores team up to battle for bragging rights and make a name for themselves in the Big Easy. Tickets are on sale now through NBAevents.com for as low as $10. BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge, your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Wow, what a great show today. Our thanks to John DeShazer, Matt Weiner from NBA TV, Jim Corbett from USA Today, and Mark Schlesinger, UNO's men's basketball coach, for joining us today. Matt Weiner will be the host of NBA Game Time on Monday when the Pelicans take on the Sacramento Kings. That one's on NBA TV. And, of course, you can catch it on 105.3 WWL-FM and the Pelicans radio network. But they do have a game before that. Our next game is tomorrow as the Pelicans head to the Moda Center and take on the Portland Trail Blazers. Again, a very good Portland Trail Blazers team. Sean Kelly will have the call, as always, on the Pelicans radio network. Don't forget to catch all of John DeShazer's coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com on Sunday. He'll have an exclusive interview with head coach Sean Payton and also have some post-game recap after that one. Hopefully it's a victory for the Saints as they get closer to that NFC South division title on monday show jd will be back in studio to recap the carolina panthers game from sunday we'll also recap saturday's game against the portland trailblazers for the pelicans and we'll have much much more on the show don't forget you can download the show on itunes by searching black and blue report you can also catch the shows now on the saints and pelicans mobile app follow us on twitter at black blue report you can also follow sean kelly at sean kelly live 
and myself at D Salerson for all updates on the show and the Pelicans broadcast. I hope everyone has a safe holiday season and let's get some wins for the Saints and the Pelicans this weekend. Until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. 